I have the same breakfast almost every morning. Uh, some people would say, you are in a rut. I'd say, no, I'm in a groove. When I get up, I know what I'm going to eat. It's going to be a couple of pieces of English muffin bread toasted with peanut butter and jelly. That sound good? No. Maybe to some of you, anyhow. This morning, as I was eating my toast, I thought, wow, this is a good uh, introduction to the message on Jesus, the bread of life. I love uh, English muffin bread toasted, but I love Jesus more. Because he is the true bread of life, come down from heaven. And we turn then to John chapter 6. This passage uh, covers quite a few verses. I'm not going to read the whole text here. I want to start at verse 26 of John chapter 6. And we read in Jesus' name. Jesus answered them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me, not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. Do not work for the food which perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. For on him the Father, God, has set his seal. Therefore they said to him, What shall we do so that we may work the works of God? Jesus answered and said to them, This is the work of God, that you believe in him whom he has sent. So they said to him, What then do you do for a sign so that we may see and believe you? What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. Then they said to him, Lord, always give us this bread. Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger. And he who believes in me will never thirst. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. Thank you that you are indeed the true bread, the living bread, the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to those who believe. And Lord, I pray that you would indeed do that this morning in our midst as we open your word, your life-giving word. Lord Jesus, would you reveal yourself afresh to us this morning? Show us how you satisfy. Show us how you save us. Show us how you give us eternal life. Lord, help us then to rejoice in that gracious and wonderful gift that you have provided to us and for us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you've ever had teenage boys... You know what a challenge it is to keep their stomachs full, right? How many times of you who have teenage boys ever witnessed this? It's about a half hour after supper, and someone's rummaging through the refrigerator or rummaging through the cupboards and looking for food. And they're saying, I'm hungry. 
And you're saying, we just got done with supper. How can you be so hungry? <laughs> That's the way it is, isn't it? With hungry, hungry boys. The bottomless pit is, is what could drive, could drive their stomachs. You know, if our physical bodies are going to survive in this world, they need to be nourished daily. And the good news is that God has promised to provide our daily bread, right? We pray that in the Lord's Prayer. Give us this day our daily bread. Psalm 145, verses 15 and 16 says, The eyes of all look to you and you give them their food in due time. You open your hand and satisfy the desire of every living thing. So when you eat today, I don't want you to think if we got this at Cub Foods or we got this at Costco or Walmart or wherever you shop, that came from the hand of God. Every living thing, He provides that daily bread, that food for the body. But the same is true spiritually, isn't it? We need to be spiritually nourished to survive in this world and to thrive in this world. And God has promised to feed us with spiritual food, spiritual bread. And that's Jesus. He is the bread of life. He is the true bread that has come down from heaven. In this sixth chapter of John, Jesus says repeatedly, I am the bread of life. And this is the first of the I am statements that Jesus makes about himself. There are seven of them in Scripture. And it helps us to understand what it really means to know him. What does it mean to know Jesus as the bread of life? I would suggest there are three things we can notice this morning. Notice, first of all, that Jesus is the bread that satisfies us. Our text begins in verse 26 with Jesus answering a question probably in a way that you may not expect. Because if you look at verse 25, the people wanted to know when he arrived in Capernaum. They were curious about this because they had seen his disciples get into the boat without Jesus. And so they came to the other side of the lake and they said, Rabbi, when did you get here? Maybe how did you get here as well? Because the disciples went in the boat, Jesus did, and they're wondering, well, how, how in the world did this happen? But if you look at verse 26, uh, Jesus didn't give them the answer they were looking for. And that is because he's had something more important to say. Verse 26 says, Jesus answered to them and said, Truly, truly, I say to you, you seek me not because you saw signs, but because you ate of the loaves and were filled. This was just after the feeding of the 5,000 that this took place. Now, when the crowds first started following Jesus, it was because of signs. They saw him heal the sick and raise the dead and cleanse the lepers. But, you know, their interest in seeking Jesus had really denigrated to the level of food. That's why he said in verse 26, you're seeking. Not because you saw the signs, but you ate of the loaves and were filled. In other words, they wanted their physical desires met. They wanted their belly to be full. And after seeing Jesus feed the multitude, they figured he was the solution to their desires. If we just keep following after Jesus, we won't have anything to worry about. He'll feed us, right? We'll just come to his potluck every, every day. He'll take care of us. 
And that's why Jesus said in verse 27, he said, don't work for the food that perishes, but for the food which endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give to you. What's he saying? Don't focus so much on bodily things, desires that you have. There's something that is much more important than that. Not not bread for your body, but the true bread, the living bread, food for your soul. That's your greatest need. And what's interesting, it appears as if the only word that they heard Jesus speak in verse 27 was the word work. So in verse 28, they said to Jesus, what shall we do so that we might work the works of God. And Jesus responded by saying that eternal life is not achieved by our works. Jesus said, this is the work of God, that you believe in him who he has sent. In other words, instead of focusing on physical things, you need to focus on spiritual things, and these things are received not by works, but by faith. And Jesus and what he did on that cross. It's obvious that the Jews weren't buying into what Jesus said. In fact, they made it clear that they were still focused on their physical desires. And that's why they went back in their history to their years of the wilderness when they ate manna. Remember that? Verse 30, so they said to him, what then do you do for a sign? So that we may see and believe you. What work do you perform? Our fathers ate the manna in the wilderness. As it is written, he gave them bread out of heaven to eat. Now it's interesting they mentioned the the wandering in the wilderness. How long did they wander in the wilderness? Remember? Forty years. Forty years of wandering in the wilderness. Day after day, for forty years, God provided manna from heaven. For them. So I wonder if one of the things they were asking Jesus to do was to give them an unending supply of food for their belly. After all, 40 years in the wilderness, day after day, God just provided manna for them. So they weren't concerned about things that endure, but in things that perish. It was an earthly focus entirely. It's fine what Jesus did for them yesterday, feeding the 5,000, but what are you going to do for me today? Huh? What are you going to do for me tomorrow? Are you going to keep on with this? This would be great. We'll follow you. You just feed us and care for us, and that'd be great. So Jesus makes the transition for them from earthly manna to the true bread from heaven. And he points to himself as... The bread of life. Verse 32, Jesus then said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread out of heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread out of heaven. For the bread of God is that which comes down out of heaven and gives life to the world. What's Jesus saying there? He's saying, I'm the true bread from heaven. I'm the one you really need. I'm the one who will give life. But it's obvious they didn't get it yet because in verse 34 they said, Well, Lord, just give us this bread always. Always give us this bread. Great. This would be wonderful. They thought Jesus was talking about some kind of wonder bread, huh? Well, you fed a manna from heaven. Give us this kind of bread and 
This will be great. This will be wonderful. We'll follow you. You feed us and care for us. So Jesus had to make it perfectly clear what he was talking about. In verse 35, Jesus said to them, I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. So what is he saying there? Jesus is saying, I am the one who satisfies. I alone am the one who satisfies. If you come to Jesus, he will satisfy your spiritual hunger and thirst. <laughs> he who comes to me will not hunger He who believes in me will never thirst. Isaiah 55 was read this morning. Everyone who thirsts, come to the waters. I don't have any money. The Lord says, that doesn't matter. You who have no money, come, buy and eat. Come, buy wine and milk. Without money and without cost. And then Isaiah asks the question, Why do you spend money for what is not bread? And your wages for what does not satisfy? Listen carefully to me and eat what is good and delight yourself in abundance. That's a picture of salvation here. Coming with nothing because we have nothing to bring. Coming without money, without cost. And receiving the abundant life. Spiritual nourishment that satisfies the soul. That's what Jesus offers today. Come just as you are. And He will give you life. The lesson is clear, isn't it? Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. So don't make the mistake of trying to find satisfaction in other things. You will not find it. And if you think you can find it, I challenge you to read the book of Ecclesiastes today and then tell me you'll find satisfaction in the things of this world. You know what that book's about? Richest man probably to ever live. Solomon had everything he could want. What did he find? Chasing after the wind. Vanity. Only Jesus can satisfy your soul. So Jesus is the bread that satisfies us. The second lesson we see is Jesus is the bread that saves us. When Jesus first spoke of the bread of God which comes down from heaven... The Jews didn't seem to have a problem with this because they didn't understand yet what he meant. They thought it was some kind of physical bread that they could eat. But when Jesus said, I have come down from heaven, well, that was a whole different story. In verse 41, therefore, the Jews were grumbling about him because he said, I am the bread that came down from heaven. From heaven. Why were they grumbling? What was Jesus saying there? I am the bread who has come down from heaven. Jesus was telling them that he is God. He's no ordinary human being. He is God. That is clear if you look at verse 42. They were saying, Is not this Jesus the son of Joseph, whose father and mother we know? How does he now say, I have come down out of heaven? We know his family. We know who his mom and dad are. We know who his brothers are. How can he claim that he came down from heaven? 
Jesus continues to claim that he is God. Verse 44, he, he, he's saying that on the last day he will raise the dead. Only God can do that. And then in verse 45, all those who he says that all those who hear the Father recognize who Jesus is. And they come to him. He's saying, okay, if you read your scripture and if you are listening to the Father, then you're going to understand who I am. The Father has sent me. Verse 45, it's written in the prophets and they shall all be taught of God. Everyone who has heard and learned from the Father comes to me. So what's Jesus saying? If you're really listening to the Father... If you're really hearing from the Father as you claim you do, then you will come to me because I've been sent by the Father. And Jesus tells us why he was sent by the Father to save us. Verse 47, truly, truly, I say to you, he who believes has eternal life. I am the bread of life. Your fathers ate the manna in the wilderness and they died. This is the bread which comes down out of heaven so that one may eat of it and not die. I am the living bread that came down out of heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. You see the contrast Jesus is making here? It's the contrast between himself and the manna in the wilderness. What happened to everyone who ate the manna in the wilderness? They died. Every one of them. They ate the manna that God had given from heaven, and they died. Even though it was bread from heaven. But what does Jesus say? The one who eats the true and living bread, which is me, what does he say? You'll live forever. You will live forever. You have eternal life in me. And to make sure he doesn't miss, they don't miss the point, he mentions it again. Verse 57, as the living Father sent me, and I live because of the Father, so he who eats me, he also will live because of me. This is the bread which came down out of heaven, not as the fathers ate and died. He who eats this bread will live forever. Do you want to live forever? Do you want eternal life? You need the bread of life then. And that's Jesus. That's the only way. It is not dependent upon anything that you or I could do. It is solely dependent upon who Jesus is and what he did for us. <coughs> I told you we spent a week in, out in Oregon. And when I went to the store with Dave and his dad to get some groceries, three men shopping for groceries, that's interesting. But I noticed on the shelf... They had Franz bread and Franz uh, cupcakes. Uh, I took a lot of pictures of that. I thought, you know, maybe, maybe this is some relative, you know, that royalties or something, you know, Franz bread. It said healthy on there. 
And so I sent it to uh, my family and just to let them know about the kind of bread we have. And so anyhow, Dave, uh, Lydia's husband, Dave, he found some bread that was called Dave's Killer Bread. He thought he had trumped us. And I said, why would you want to eat killer bread? Eat pro-life bread, right? Eat bread that gives you life. That's Jesus. The manna in the wilderness was killer bread. I mean, it, 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 they, they still died. Jesus gives life. Eternal life. So don't eat the killer bread. Eat the life-giving bread. The bread of Jesus. Jesus is the bread that saves. Now, the third thing we notice is quite interesting. Jesus is the bread that separates us. Now, maybe you're wondering, what in the world does that mean? Whenever Jesus preached the word, the audience was divided. Follow that through Scripture. Whenever Jesus preached, whenever the apostles preached, there was a division that took place, a separation that took place, because there were always two groups of people. Two responses to Jesus. We see the first group in verse 60. Therefore, many of his disciples, when they heard this, said, this is a difficult statement. Who can listen to it? And if you look at verse 66, you will notice that these people wanted nothing more to do with Jesus. As a result of this, it says many of his disciples withdrew and we're not walking with him anymore. Isn't that interesting? Came to the point where they decided, you know what? I'm checking out. This is a difficult saying. I don't really want this. There was a division that took place when Jesus preached. Now, when they said that Jesus' teaching was difficult, it's not that it was difficult to understand. I'm the bread of life. The only way to eternal life the word translated difficult literally means hard or stiff. It's the Greek word scleros, from which we get our English word sclerosis. Now, you medical people know what that is, right? Sclerosis. Figuratively, it describes something unpleasant or hard to accept. So they rejected Jesus' words because... They were offended. So what did Jesus say that was so offensive? Well, think of this whole conversation that went on here. I think there were several things. For one thing, Jesus had confronted them, hadn't he, with their values, with their focus, with their sin. He told them they were seeking him for the wrong reasons. Their focus was on material things instead of spiritual things. Back in verse 26, he said, you seek me because you ate the loaves and were filled. He says, when you ought to be seeking the food which endures to eternal life. So no one likes to have their sin exposed. But that's exactly what Jesus did. Another thing that may have offended them is when Jesus told them that we are saved because the Father draws us to Jesus. Verse 43, Jesus answered and said to them, do not grumble among yourselves. No one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws him. 
So God is the one who seeks for us, not we for him. He is the one who graciously draws us to Jesus. But many people are offended by this. Some think they're saved by what they do for God, not what he has done for us. Others believe they can just come to Jesus anytime they choose to come. Apart from anything that God does to draw them. And that's why it's so dangerous for people to say, you know what? I'll come later. How do you know God is going to call you? How do you know the, the Father is going to draw you? Dangerous thing. Maybe the biggest thing that offended them is when Jesus said, the only way to be saved is by receiving him. Verse 53, truly, truly, I say to you, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life in yourself. Jesus is the only way. If you ask people, if you were to stand before God today and he asked you, what right do, I have, do you have to enter into heaven? What would most people say? Who would they point to? Jesus or themselves? Most would point to themselves. I've been a good person. Jesus said that answer will not work. It's only him. And him alone. And so things haven't changed much since Jesus spoke these words. People are still offended for the same reason. They don't want to be confronted with their sin. They don't want to be told their good works can't save them. They don't want to be told that Jesus is the only one who can give them eternal life. I'll tell you what, that doesn't fit well with our culture today, does it? Jesus is the only way. Oh, who in the world do you think you are, huh? So the first group was offended and walked away from him. F.F. Bruce says, what they wanted, he would not give. What he offered, they would not receive. Isn't that true? What they wanted from him, he wasn't going to give them that. What he offered, they would not receive. So then you have the 12 disciples. And Jesus is wondering, what, what are they going to do? What's, what's their response going to be? So he asked the 12 in verse 67. He said, you do not want to go away also, do you? Is it to say, are you going to pack up your bags and go too? Are you going to follow those who have walked away? Peter, not surprisingly, speaks first because he almost always did. Simon Peter answered him, Lord, and here's the question, to whom shall we go? Where are we going to go? You have the words of eternal life. We have believed and have come to know that you are the Holy One of God. So Jesus, if we walk away from you, where on earth will we go? You're the only one that has the words of life. There's no one else that could save us. We have believed and have come to know who you are, Jesus. You are the, the Holy One of God. 
There's something significant here that we may not catch in our English translations. The words translated have believed and have come to know are written in a perfect tense, which doesn't really matter, but it emphasizes something that is completed in the past with ongoing results. So what Peter is saying is that they have believed and continue to believe. They have come to know and they continue to know that Jesus is the Holy One of God. They were convinced that Jesus was the only one who could give them eternal life. Peter says, where else are we going to go? Jesus, we're going to follow you. You are the bread of life. You're the one that satisfies. You are the one that saves. We have no other place where we can go. Have you come to that conclusion in your life? You have no other place you can turn. You have no other one to whom you can go except Jesus. And so the question I leave with you this morning, are you going to follow Jesus? Are you going to walk away from him like the crowd did? Or are you going to follow Jesus? If you don't follow him, if you don't trust in him, you're going to find the things of the world do not satisfy and worse than that, you're going to come to the end of life and you're going to have nothing to hold on to. No hope for eternity. But if you follow Jesus, you will experience what true satisfaction is. And best of all, when you come to the end of life, you've got a wonderful promise to be ushered into the presence of Jesus. So listen to what Jesus says to you today. I am the bread of of life. He who comes to me will not hunger, and he who believes in me will never thirst. That's his promise. And if you believe his promise, you will be saved and you will be satisfied because Jesus does that for us. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, thank you for who you are. You are the one who saves. You are the one who satisfies. You are the bread of life. Lord, thank you for that. And as we come to your table this morning, we are rejoicing in what you did for us, giving your life for us. As you broke bread that first day, Lord, that evening, the night in which you were betrayed, Lord, you instituted the Lord's Supper as a reminder to us of all that you have done to save us. So, Lord, encourage and strengthen us today and help us, Lord, to be able to answer that question as Peter did. Lord, to whom shall we go? You are the one who has the words of life. These things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.